Welcome to Timely Wisdom with Drs. Alice Bradford, Sarita Wright, Brenda Wallace, Carolyn Carlisle, and I am Venice Burns. You can watch us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Today our guest is Bishop Ann Henning Byfield, Journey to Becoming. This was recorded on December 22nd, 20. You got this fire that's coming through the house, coming in the house today. Uh, none other than Bishop Ann Henning Byfield. She's one who dares to live, learn, lead, and love God. Mm. With creativity and passion as a bishop, preacher, psalmist, poet, spoken word artist, strategic consultant, writer, composer, wife, mother, and grandmother. She's been married to Ansley for 43 years and they have one son named Michael. They Together they have four grandchildren. She serves as the 135th elected and consecrated bishop of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Her historic election in the year of 2016 represents the first time in the history of the AME Church, a person was elected who had a sibling on the same bench of bishops. Mm. She serves as the Bishop of the 16th Episcopal District, which includes the regions of the Caribbean, South America, and Europe. She has a Bachelor's of Science degree from Wilberforce University, hey, a Master's of Divinity degree from Payne Theological Seminary, hey, hey, a Doctor of Ministry degree from Ashland Theological Seminary, and an Honorary Doctorate of Divinity degree from R.R. Wright School of Religion in Johannesburg, South Africa. She is the author of three books, Let the Worship Begin, The Essence of My Existence, and produced by Strength, Living by Power, and a co-author of Odyssey, a girls mentoring program. Editor of From the Heart of a Leader and a contributor to several, several pieces, including Those Preaching Women, International Edition, Mr. President, in Interfaith Perspectives on the Historic Presidency of Barack Obama, Presidency of, the, of Barack Obama, and Black Women and Black Girls Matter. She is a member, <coughs> she is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha. <coughs> <coughs> oh, hey, ladies, mm. oh, hey. Mm. I tweet. Mm. She, she's, our sister. she's our Greek sister, and we love her dearly. A 2020 recipient of the Samuel DeWitt Proctor Conference Beautiful Are Your Feet Award and recipient of so many other awards. My sister, my friend, and a bishop in, in our Zion. Come on, put in the chat section, welcome Bishop Anne Henning Byfield. <laughs> Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Glad praise to be on Lord. a bit of journey. But I am glad. Journey to becoming, well, let's see, the chrome wouldn't work. Then I can't get the, the, the fuzzy off my screen. I don't know what that's about, but I'm here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah Bishop. Hallelujah, AKA Bishop. <sighs> Oh, we're so happy to have you. These other women are hating, but you know, I appreciate you. 
Foggy, Green, and all. I appreciate you. Um, we are we are so delighted to have you, Bishop. Um, during this season, um, it seems everything is going on. We want we just want to check in with you. How are you doing during this season? I am doing okay. At the beginning, um, it was um, crisis for me emotionally. It's the longest that I have been in the United States since I've been elected a bishop. So mm -hmm. I'm always out of the country. Um, I'm always unpacking, packing, and um, being here and not being accessible to my people was a was was a problem. And um, um, I have a friend who says that um, they always pray for couples when um, one retires um, because the whole dynamics of the marriage change. So not only was I here physically, but my husband retired, and so. <laughs> we had to go through a whole different um, dynamic of, you know, you know, I wasn't used to cooking every day, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, I don't know who came up with this concept of three meals a day. I just, mm -mm. So having to cook every day. But um, I see, I believe in, in physical therapy, but I also believe in mental therapy. And so I had to go see somebody to talk to, some professional I had to pay. Um, you know, per Zoom and um, work through some of these dynamics. And now I'm doing really okay. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful I'm, to be alive and to work and to do what I do. Wow. And, and, and even in the, in the midst of this time, I know that you've also had death um, in your family. So you've had to yeah. kind of navigate that a, as well. Um, and so it's, um, it's not easy. I, Anybody who has not lost anybody since COVID will not understand what that means. Um, everything changes. So whereas funerals or celebrations for Black people, you know, you have to work through, can only a few people, you can't, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And um, for me, um, uh, being the preacher left in the family, in the immediate family, then a lot of that fell on me, along with his daughter, who's also an AMB um, preacher. But, you know, we made it and um, we're grateful. And by the way, Dr. Bradford, this week, my husband and I will be celebrating 44 years of marriage. So, um, yes, I have to change my yes. bio now and say 40, 44 years. Yes, hit the heart buttons for that. I know <laughs> that's a blessing. <laughs> put in the heart buttons. Um, put in your chat that con congratulations <laughs> to forty four years, cuarenta cuatro years, años for um for blessings and um endurance. Um, we, we want to get right into it. Um, Bishop Bishop Byfield. You have journeyed, not only do you have a sibling who sat on the bench, not only do you um, were you an elder, not only were you a pastor, not only did you sit on the bench or sit in the congregation, um, you know, you have so much wisdom. And what we'd like to know is what advice would you give women and men, but I'll say particularly women who are gifted and educated and qualified, but their opportunities don't match there? Their qualifications. Um, well, I, I've, I've 
So let me say a couple of things. And I think it's an excellent and wonderful question. The first thing I would say is when I was in um, working for the government and I was in um, um, corporate America, they would tell us, don't chase the money, chase the vision that matches what you're called to do. So just don't write a whole lot of grants to get money because then you will get money um, and not know what to do with it and it will frustrate oh. you. So I think that women and men, but I think women and men have to know early um, some direction of what God has for them. And direction is evolutionary. It doesn't, you know, what you think in the beginning doesn't always mean that that's what it's going to be in the end. And so then you have to have some clear understanding of what your gifts are and um, and how those gifts are supposed to be. Um, secondly, there's a difference between utilizing your gifts versus being manipulated and um, um, this is a this is a strong word overpowered that you have to use them when in areas in which you you don't. So there's, so knowing all of that, the first thing you have to do is understand what the culture is and where you call. So what is what is the culture of your denomination? What is the culture of your church? What is the culture of your region? Um, um, and you have to know the strengths and the challenges um, that you have to you have to look at what is this history and not just the church, but your particular environment. You have to understand then that there is no long ranger. So you're not going to make it by yourself. You know, I don't mm. care how gifted you are. I don't care how great you are. This church and most churches are interdependent. So then you can't make it. So no. So know your church. And I don't mean the, the Richard Allen polity. I mean, know the systems. Um, who in charge of the conference? So who's in charge? And I don't mean the, yes, the presiding elder is in charge of the district conference and the bishop is in charge of the annual conference. But who is the person that often pulls the chain behind whoever the leader is? How are decisions made? Um, women think that when we see the opening doxology at the annual conference or at the district conference, um, that that's when decision-making starts. Well, decisions have been made six months, eight months, um, a month before the doxology is being made. So that means that you have to talk to people um, um, before the doxology. It's too late. So, so I used to just fuss at women um, who would say to me, the week before the annual conference, I want to be a delegate to the general conference. Well, have you talked to the bishop? Have you talked to your elder? Well, no, I was going to talk to him at the annual conference. I said, it's too late. Um, they'd have made those decisions a year ago. Um, now, you still have to be elected. Most people have to be elected, but they know who they are looking at. So that so so understand the system. Who's in charge? How do you talk to them? Um, 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 some bishops are a walking and talking bishop. So if you want to talk to them, you have to walk with them. Um, some bishops, I am a stop and talk person. 
um, I tell folks, I ain't gonna remember it. So if I walk with you, I ain't gonna remember it. So I have to stop. But you have to know who your bishop is. You have to know who your elder is. So you have to know, are they morning people? Are they evening people? I mean, you think that that's ridiculous, but you have to know their personality. Um, and then you have to know, how does one get appointed? How does one get appointed to a church, to a committee? And you have to make those ideas known. Lastly, in this process, um, sometimes what you think is a demeaning position, particularly if you think it's a women's position, so they want to make you the secretary, take it. And the reason why you take it, one, you're in the room. Two, the secretary keeps all the minutes. The secretary knows. That's good. That's that's good information. The secretary knows the dead bodies. Um, the secretary stands up in front of everybody and reads the report. So all during the year, they have to call who? The secretary. Now, what did we say? Um, and uh, um, it, it gives you a relationship um, with key leaders. Now, if, if um, and I tell folks, even if they leave you in as a secretary, you are considered or you becoming considered a part of the team. So um, you have to work your own system. Um, and, and we can talk about a little bit about this later, is that you have to have someone who's going to call your name. So if you, so, and I know this sounds, and some women are going to kill me for this, but so let me tell you what men do. Um, men have a church service and five people join the church. They pick up the phone Sunday night and they call the elder. Um, elder, I just, I'm just so happy. Oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Five people joined the church today. And the elder says, oh, glory, hallelujah, wonderful, right? Um, the, the next Sunday, the, the pastor calls the bishop, calls the elder. You know, I can't believe it. We had five people last Sunday and we had seven people today. Oh, hallelujah. Now, at some point when the elder talks to the bishop, he's going to say what? You know, them folks really joined over that church. So when I say to the women, they say, oh, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Don't you think that's that's bragging? Well, how, how will the bishop know? Until you get to the annual conference. So why not? Why not toot your own home? We're not asking you to lie about tooting your horn. We're asking you so I used to tell women that I mentor and men in, who are in seminary, I would say, write a page. Did you get an A on this paper? Um, um, yes. Or did you get a B? I said, yes. I said, send it to the bishop. Well, why would I send it to the bishop? You send it to the bishop and you say, you know, bishop, I'd like you to read this paper and tell me what you think. Um, and you take the A off of it. You don't, they don't see the A on it. And it stars you with a dialogue. Um, it, it, so it allows the people to see you. Now, somebody's going to say, that's, that's politics. I don't do politics. The word politics simply means to affect change, to influence. We make politics negative. We make politics bad. But the foundation for politics it's the ability to negotiate and effect change. So some things you need to be political um, about. 
Um, so I think that's a beginning um, on that. That this so you have to know the key committees, um, and I don't I don't want to insult them, but but you have to know what conversations are held in the bathroom. Now, some stuff they just don't talk on the floor. And you you waiting for it to come back on the floor. They don't go into the bathroom and work that out. Now, you can't go into the bathroom. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You can't go into their bathroom. But you can develop relationships so that when they come out of the bathroom, they tell you. Well, you know, we decided that we're going so and so and so and so. Well, why? Well, why did you decide that? Well, yeah, that, that. Yeah, well, why don't you think yeah, and so then you that's all right. Um does that answer your question? And, and then some. <laughs> this, this is good. This is good. Oh I don't know if you, can see, if you can see the comments of people that are are, are making on the side. Um, I see one that said men do that in corporate America, too, and, and they get ahead. Others are just saying excellent teacher. There's a difference between a sponsor versus a mentor. This is, yeah, get, keep talking. Women need mentors. Now, everybody needs mentors. So let me explain some things that I've noticed. Um, I grew up, my father was a pastor, but he didn't, he died before I went into the call to ministry. Um, but he mentored my, my, my brothers. You understand? So I would hear them. I had no idea I was called to ministry. I mean, none. But I was always fascinated by his conversations on what to wear, um, um, such and such and such. And I listened to that stuff, although I didn't know why God had me listening to it. I was just being, you know, curious um, um, as a child. But I think that there four, I've said this over and over, and people who listen to me, I think you need at least three to four mentors. They do different things. You need a mentor who has made it in the system. That may be your pastor, that may be your presiding elder, your bishop, maybe somebody else. You need someone who has a lot of respect and integrity and leadership, but not necessarily a part of the old boy system. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be your pastor. That can, um, you, you need um, someone who has made it in another system. So someone who's made it in corporate America versus the church. Um, and you need to maintain relationship with your with the person of whom you accepted the call under, whether it's positive, whether you think that is negative, they tend to care for you. And then the last one, don't y'all laugh, you need Pookie. You, you need Pookie and them. Pookie is the one that you grew up with. Pookie who knows you. Um, Pookie is the, is the one who um, will take you to dinner and curse you out. What the is wrong with you? What do you mean you don't know how to make no decisions in this, right? Um, and, you know, while they drink in a Long Island iced tea, you know, 
Sin. I don't, who are you? I mean, you were the girl on the block. You didn't take no stuff. Why are you so intimidated? Why are you? I, so you need those kinds of persons at, at different stages to keep you to keep you focused. And lastly, always be present and appropriate, and you shall do your work. You got to do your work. Thank you so much, Bishop. That oh. Those were some very inspiring words. I love having four mentors. People would tell me, eh, you don't need but one mentor, but you're, I, and I didn't listen because I need a community. So I, just one question, in your journey to becoming, what are the most rewarding moments and the pitfalls? Of my becoming. Of your becoming, on your journey to Um, some people think themselves more high than they ought to think. And I am one who struggles with the opposite. So I don't, I'm always surprised when something happens to me positively. And it took me years even to this year, in some respect, to tie the dots that God was working all the time and that this was not just a um, um, each isolated. So I think for me, the most rewarding moments are things that I never expected and the Lord did. So give me so a rewarding moment. And y'all gonna laugh, but a rewarding moment for me is when I wrote the Advent Litany and turned it in, I had no expectation that people would use it. So then to get text messages and emails and then people sending me on Facebook their rendition, their face, their their Zoom services. That's those are the kinds of things that are rewarding for me. So, being a bishop was extremely rewarding for me. Um, obviously, being a presiding elder was extremely rewarding for me. But things like preaching the annual sermon for the first time, um, um, even though I was attacked, so that would. Um, 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 I preached a sermon and I mentioned in one example, women in leadership and many of the brothers came to me and said, you preached a woman's sermon. And I was like, huh? So I called one of my mentors and he said, well, I've been disappointed if you didn't use a woman in your sermon. Um, so my, my, it's just seeing how what I didn't think was significant that God thought significant or other people thought. So those are my rewarding moments in, in the journey to become. Um, um, my pitfalls um, is not recognizing, which is what a lot of women have, not recognizing my own value and worth. So 
we go to annual conference and we pastor, and I'm just generally now, I'll talk about it and then I'll come back to me. So generally you know, a woman goes and they're pastoring a church that they're sent to with 10 members, five of them over 60 or over 80, right? So they get five members, but they fixed the roof. Um, they put in new steps. Um, you know, five people joined. Um, they started a seating program. They did this when they get the annual conference because they said five people joined. And the leadership not recognizing that that is a 100% increase in the membership. But a brother in the city has 20 people to join when he could have, he should have had 50. And so sometimes the leadership goes, oh, we, you had 20 people to join. And the woman who has new steps, you know, fixed the bathroom, started a, started a food pantry, and five people joined, we, we, we crunch into our own spirits. And so we have to begin to understand your own worth and that you can't compare your worth to somebody else's worth. You can't compare your worth to somebody else's successes. Um, and so in, in a word, self-esteem. The other is that you don't need other people's approval. Now, you do need other people's recognition in order to get ahead, but you don't need other people's approval if you're doing what you clear in your own spirit. So um, we will kill each other, men and female, and and as women, sometimes we don't come back as quickly. Men have been learned to be knocked down, picked back up, knocked down, picked back up. And for women, sometimes we internalize that and we don't know how to make it, how to come back to it. So my pitfall, what I consider my pitfalls were not as bad as I, on the other side of the pitfall, they really weren't that bad. But in the middle of the pitfall, in the middle of the situation, um, I, I was done. So one of the, the, the pitfalls for me, um, and I always tell folks, my stuff is always public. I mean, it's just, I don't know why. And I guess God makes it public so I can't wallow um, um, <laughs> alone, was when the church rejected initially um, that I could run for bishop because of my education, although I was in a doctoral program, but I didn't have a master's of divinity from um, a ATS school. And so um, I went into severe depression. I mean, the kind where you stay in bed and the cover over your head and you only get up to go hold a quarterly conference and come back. And um, so my husband couldn't, couldn't shift. So he called my family 
and um, um, which is always good to have a good family. And so they they rallied. And my brother said to me, my brother, the bishop, said to me, well, first of all, this got nothing to do with you. You know, you want that's when you want to curse, sister. You know, curse, blessing, blessing, and cursing, right? So that's when you want to curse. What do you, what do you mean? It ain't got nothing to do with me, right? And he said it doesn't have anything to do with you. And um, um, you know, it's okay. That and I swore I'll, I'm not gonna run again. Oh heck no, um, no. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. And then the Lord, when the Lord said run again. Um, I'm, I can't tell you except that I can tell you that when I knew that I knew that I was going to be elected. And you can't say that because then people say you're bragging, you're arrogant, you are this. But in my heart, and even when people would tell me, I mean, people would come up and tell me, you're not going to be elected. And I would get back to the hotel room and I would just hold my heart and I would hear the Lord voice speak. So that you have to decide what somebody calls a pitfall or a failure. Somebody wrote in the comments about Stacey Adams, uh, Stacey Abrams. Yes, she did. So what was a government, what was a um, um, a loss and, and almost a humiliation, they thought she turned it in to a different level of victory. So for me, I think pitfalls are we don't handle failure well. Um, we think that we need other people's approval and we don't see the value of who we are. And the other part, and I see this with women more than I see with men, is we keep our victories isolated. Mm. So we don't know how to turn. So we forget too quickly. So we get a major award. We and then when that's over, we put it on the shelf. And then when we don't get another one quickly, we go back into self-failure, I'm not good enough. You have to look at each each one of them. And, and I'm telling you, if you ever had that conversation with God, it's not an easy conversation. When you have to go back and look at all the great things that you've done and that you have dismissed. Mm -mm. Wow, Bishop. Um, I mean, you just you 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 swing it and hidden um, today in so many ways. I, I don't I I don't want us to. I see Elisa Cupid um, um, asked this question after you 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 talked about not recognizing value and worth, and so her question is, how do we conquer this? Um, you conquer it. Um. And the Bible gives us great foundations. Um, um, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, you're created. So the, the, you have to come to, um, I have a poem out. Um, um, and it's, it's like, the, it's basically, Today, so when I sit down today, I'm not going to overthink, overwrought. I'm not going to um, um, focus on the fact that I didn't do protocol right. Um, when I sit down, I'm not going to worry about broken words or mistakes. Um, and so then, um, um, 
because the enemy will rehearse all of that stuff for us. Um, and if it's so bad, you may need to go to counseling. Um, so um, how can so many years ago when I first started preaching, um, people would tell me I can't preach. Um, I was telling somebody that today, and they would say to me, they would say, and it was always because I didn't have a hoop. You know, I didn't. I don't have that preaching voice. So, you know, I don't, I don't start my sermons with hallelujah, glory. Right. So I had more of a conversational voice and I'm a poet. So I often would start my sermons with poetry and I would end my sermons with story, but seldom do I just go into this down home flat footed hoop. I mean, I love it. It drives me crazy whether a man does it or a woman does it, particularly when they preach a good word. But I would see that as a failure on my part. You hear me? So it was. So I remember one time, uh, literally twenty seven people on a Sunday morning came down. Um, to join the church and half of them to be saved. And um, I went home and all I could think of was I mispronounced a word. I got so focused or misfocused. And so I had to decide how dare you insult God? That God has blessed you and all these people came to the kingdom and you were about a mispronounced word. So the first thing you have to do is recognize you are created in the image of God. Secondly, you have to recognize that you are going to make mistakes and those mistakes, just like your successes, won't last always. So then you pick them up and you put them down and you keep moving, um, which is hard um, because women are told they have to be perfect. You know, we have to dress perfect. Um, you know, we have to talk perfect. So then when we make mistakes, then it becomes more amplified in us than it was. It is. So you have to decide failures and come and you have to decide what is success for you. So, so you have to define with God what is success for you. And success for you may not look like success for everybody else. But it's just what God has said for you. And you have to just shake it off. Um, remember the commercial, um, I should have had a V8. And there are times when I am, um, because I haven't rested, because I didn't prepare as well, um, because of whatever reason, when I finished, um, sometimes that minor, that net thing comes into my spirit. And um, um, I have to say to myself, stop. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, literally, stop. Because I have to bring myself back into reality that I did a good job and I did the best job that I know to do. So you have to take control over it each and every time. Because if you don't, it will start growing and it will manifest itself and it will morph. And before you know it, it has controlled you. Well, Bishop, um, if I can do kind of a follow-up um, to that, um, this is this is just beyond powerful. 
Um, um, you also said earlier about, you know, we um, um, might be recognized having an award, we kind of, you know, and we will put it on the shelf and then, and, and then, you know, kind of fall back into a place. And, and I guess I, I, I kind of want to make a statement and then ask a question with this. And it has to deal with value, also has to deal with, with I guess, pausing for recognition. But, um, and, and I can only speak from, from, from my experience as, as a woman. So I'm sure that there are perhaps some men that are listening um, that, that have experience, perhaps may have, but it is as though in the, in the, in the, it's, it's, it's though somewhere it's been programmed um, as a woman in ministry, you know, that you, you it's, it's almost like, I, I guess, uh, saying that if you're black in the corporate world, that you got to do two or three times as much in order to, to get right. the same kind of recognition. And right. so being a woman in the ministry and, and the scene that comes up in my head is the scene from Color Purple where, um, you know, um, Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> you know, all my life. You know, uh -huh. I had to fight. You told Harper to be all my life. And so at some points of ministers, like all of our lives, you know, this is, it, it, you know, we're always, we got to go do the nates. We have to do the nates. We got to do the nates because there's something that's been saying, um, you're still not there. You, you, you still haven't reached it. And, and, and then there's this other part that as African-American women, we've essentially been told and programmed, culturized to say, you really can't relax. You know, you don't have time to take her. There, there's always something you, you, you got it. There's always something. The next, so, so how do we, you know, um, how how do we deprogram ourselves? How do we say, okay, this isn't a fight. It's not competition. We don't have to keep going. Let's just sit for a moment and and receive it. How how? I mean, and 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 I'm and I'm not able to answer that all in within an hour's time, but within this hour's show. But but how, well, I can give you I can give you a short answer, and the short answer is you stop. And how do you stop? You stop. How how do you stop? You stop. So you have to decide. Um, so you're absolutely correct. You know, one of the questions that was asked to me to consider. Well, what are some of the different expectations um, for women versus men? And one of them that I wrote is that women are never allowed to stop. So um, um, the average woman who pastors until recently was working a second job, had another job, plus pastoring, plus they have children. And often, even if they're married, then they were still responsible for taking care of the house. And in many cases, um, although there are a lot of men who are bivocational, most men have one job, and that is to take care of the church, even though I consider their one job is to take care of their wife and family and themselves. So we have to say, I'm going to stop now. And we have to say, I deserve it. I'm worth it. My body needs it. Um, there's a book that, um, oh, it's an old book, but it was things that we learned in kindergarten. And one of the things that we learned in kindergarten was you take a nap in the middle of the day. Um, you celebrate by having a cookie 
um, you relax by by coloring. And so we have to say to ourselves, Dr. Burns, uh, I can't do this. I, I need to stop because it's taking its toll on my body. It's taking its toll on my mind. Um, the, the, and part of why we don't stop is one, you said it, we are programmed that it's our job to be the, the, to take care of the world and deny ourselves. And that's why we have diabetes and high blood pressure. And um, that's why we have mental challenges. So the, the second thing you have to do is um, like you make a list of things that you need to do every day. You know, I need to, you know, I need to get the kids their money. They got to go on, you know, they got to do this. They gotta, well, you need to make a list to say today I'm going to do this for me. So today, and for me, especially now with COVID, for me is to get in my bed and take a nap. Um, COVID has made women even crazier because the children are home. So at least the children were gone um, during the day. So now the children are home. In some cases, the spouse, there is one home. And so you're cooking, you're taking, the kids don't understand what the teacher is saying on Zoom. And so then you have to stop and go tell the children or the grandchildren how to operate Zoom. Um, and at some point, you have to say, it will not stop until I stop. Um, and one of the double standards for men and women in ministry is that men are given permission to fail. Um, women are not. And that even makes us more stressful about how we perform. So a man messes up at the church. I mean, down home mess up, you know, got a baby in the church, stole the money, and then they give him a promotion. And then he has an affair at the next church and they give him a promotion. And sometimes he will get three or four chances before the um, ministerial efficiency committee will say enough. The woman, she doesn't have to have a baby. She doesn't even have to have an affair. The people can, the people can stop coming to church. And that stays with her as a failure. And so rather than getting a promotion, she gets a demotion. So then stay um, right there. Stay right there. <laughs> so, so then it makes that woman feel even more um like she's gotta over overwork, over, you know, she's got to she's got to um um clean up. So men, secondly, men are allowed to have ambition, women are not. So a man, um, listen, a man can have seven hands laid on him. And within 30 days, he says, I'm going to be a bishop. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, keep that vision. A sister says in her first year, 
I think I want to be on the first church. She ain't even got to bishop, presiding elder. Now, baby, you just need to be happy with where you are. Um, and then um, the other is, and and my sister and I had this conversation. I was saying that men get to dress any way they want to. Women can't. So even when I watch all of these worship services on Facebook and men are in blue jeans and T-shirts, you don't see women in blue jeans and T-shirts. They may be. I'm just missing the ones. But when I go, you know, because we have been programmed that there's this image. Um, we have to look at a certain way. Um, and we have to be beautiful. Our hair has to be, you know, certain way and we can't handle it. And then, um, lastly is that women are told to be happy in small churches. Men are told you're not happy until you reach the top. Okay. I think that's it for that question. Did that help you? Did that help you, Dr. I, I just I, I'm I'm immune now. I just I boy, if if I wasn't on video, I would have been running around the room and, and everything else and, and throwing some stuff. But I mean, you you just hit on so much right here, and I don't know if you're if you see um see the comments on 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 the side or not. But thank you, Jewel London says. You know, she reiterates that part. Men are allowed to have ambition. Women are not. Somebody else says women. We got to almost dress and drag, you know, on on Sunday. But it's just, <laughs> you <know>, it's. <laughs> but I mean, but wow. But you um, have to be who God called you to be. Now, you, you know, have to be appropriate, and you have to meet the standard. So I don't care what the men wear. If it's ordination, don't you show up with no blue jeans and no t-shirt? You know, um, um, if you know, if it's you know, I, so you 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 have to. If it's opening a manual conference, I don't care what the brothers do. You better have on your collar if that's the standard for that. I, I, let me tell you, my, I'm my preachers, y'all, y'all listening. I'm talking to my preacher. Y'all, y'all hear what she said? Okay, keep going, Bishop. Keep going, Bishop. Keep going. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you the truth. I had a this was when I was, I wasn't even an elder. The pastor, a male pastor showed up with a green, lime green walking shorts and shirt to answer roll call. And nobody said anything, right? No, I, it wasn't even my conference. That's what it was. And I'm sitting there like, you know, I mean, I'm, and so finally, by the end of the day, the bishop said, now I need to say this to everybody. Don't show up like, you know, be dressed and appropriate, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, but I thought if that had been a female, mm-hmm. they'd have gotten dressed down and embarrassed um, right then on the spot. And y'all don't know me, but I did have that conversation with the bishop. Wow. I um thank you, Bishop. I, I just you said that and 
And I was reminded of a conference, I'm not gonna say I'm blessed to have served in several conferences, so I won't say so folk won't think I'm talking about that conference. But I just remember um, there's a woman who, and, and she enjoyed dressing in colors. You know, she and she would have the hat and but would answer a roll call where their attire was everyone else would be in black or you know the the standard quote preachly garb, and um and she would be talked down, um and then yet I saw the same thing occurring um as you just said a male minister about a couple of years later showed up in in some strange color of of um and 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 nothing was said and so that kind of double standard it works on the psyche though it does um, work yeah yeah oh um my god today do we want to tackle this last question um <laughs> yes we we only have a few minutes but we we really want to know um how did you really know it was time for you to run for bishop i couldn't escape it um it was, I mean, um, from the time I started preaching, people would prophesy that I was going to be a bishop. And I just laughed. They would come to my church and prophesy that I was going to be a bishop. Wow. And I laughed. I never had any interest. And Bishop would say, now when you go run, and I would go, oh, you know, ah, da, da, da. and I would play with him, and I would play around with it and say, well, you know, um, when my brother retires, I'll consider it. And I, yeah, I'm not going to elect a brother and a sister. And in um, 2011, um, um, I knew Bishop Bryant, when he came to the district, he said to me, um, when you gonna run? And I fell out laughing. I said, Bishop, I'm not gonna run for Bishop. And he said, We'll wait. And when the time came, mm. I couldn't escape it. I didn't have any mountainous voice. There was no angel showing up in the room. I just knew deep in my spirit that it was time. And I knew deep in my spirit that it was time, no matter what anybody else thought. And when I got waylaid in 2012 with the decision that I couldn't run, um, I was confused. Okay, now God, I knew you told me to run. So you told me to run to be embarrassed? And um, when God said, and, and I thank God for my family, but my brother Garnett called me two and three times a week. And just, he wouldn't let me go into depression. He just wouldn't let me. And he would say, well, come on back. You know, when you get your doctorate, come on back. Um, you almost, when, you, when you're when going to be through, well, you'll be in time to run for 2016. And, and I would just say, no. And he finally said, you need to send out a video to the AME church, letting them know that you don't have any anger or hostility and to raise yourself up as a class act for the church. And he said, now do it when your face shows it. Don't do it because you think you have to do it. And it wasn't until June, 
a month before the general conference that I could do the video and say, I'm coming into the general conference of 2012. I have no hostility or anger toward the church. And then when I finished my doctorate, and that's another story. So I, I, I went back and got a second master's. At the same time, I was working on my doctorate. Lord help. And so that they could not say I got a doctorate and I didn't have an ATS master's. And so one year I finished the ATS master's and the next year I finished the D-Men from Ashland. Mm -hmm. And from that point, I knew that I knew that I knew. That's it. Wow. You're helping the people today. Um, I, I mean, some we're speechless because this is hitting, hit, um, Joel London said, you're hitting it head on. And that's exactly what we need, how we need it, because we have been tiptoeing around several of these issues and not really listening. And you're definitely being real, transparent, and honest with all of us. So we appreciate you in so many different ways. Um, my God. Wow. Thank you, Bishop, um, for, for just being with us today and taking the time yeah. out of your extremely busy schedule being with us. Um, I'm going to ask you to just hang around backstage for us, yeah. please, mm -hmm. um, as we um, close out. But again, you all hit those heart mm -hmm. buttons. Um, yeah. Bishop, I feel found, was able to squeeze us into today. And I yeah. sure hope that you all have found um, that our ending of Timely Wisdom for 2020 has yeah. indeed been timely wisdom for you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry everyone. Christmas. Happy <laughs> New Year. Happy New Year. Praise See the you Lord. in 2021. That's right. <laughs> Lord willing. Yes. Wow.